Well, there's certainly a lot to pray for. Um, you know, not just pray for Judith, but, um, you know, encourage her. If you know her, have a relationship with her. You know, if you've lost a parent, especially if you've lost a parent, you're probably the only ones that can relate to her on that, that, that part of life. Um, I could, we could try. My parents are alive still. But if my parents have passed away, I think God allows that experience that you've had to minister to them. And because you can understand the grief and the pain and uh, the loss uh, of your mother or father or a close one. So definitely encouraging to do that. Uh, we're going to close out our series. We're doing a series on, on it's called Lost. It's on finances. And as, as I've been telling you each week, I do this to educate the church, everyone, everyone who's visiting, that you can walk away with something very practical. You know, I love when people come to church and they leave going, hey, I learned something today that I can take home and apply today, or I'm going to start applying this in my life in the future. So I do this twice a year to educate everyone spiritually on what God says about uh, managing finances. Um, In the series, we made the case that it's easy to get lost in the realm of finances. Um, Where did it go? Where did all the money go? Uh, Am I saving enough? What am, I, what am I to do with, with all the stuff I've got? You can use it to help people. Um, we also made the case that it's difficult to follow Jesus and be devoted to Him when you're lost financially. Um, because Jesus says so much about money. Jesus never asked for any money. He doesn't want it. What He wants is your heart. And your money is the key to your heart. He wants your treasure. He wants your heart. So, uh, I've, uh, can I get the uh, PowerPoint? Thank you so much, Tim. You have long arms. Rescued. This is our heart. And there's the money. I use a $20 bill because that's probably the most practical bill. They had, they had a picture of a bunch of money. But that's not us. It, it was a 20 You know, You can find a 20 in your pocket usually most of the time. And how you handle money is a spiritual issue. Not just giving, but how you handle and manage all of it. See, it's not just giving to the work of the ministry, it's how you manage the entire thing. And your money speaks volumes about what you value, what you really value. That's why it's so important. When you look at your receipts, when we look at our checkbook, you'll discover what you value most. That's what, that's what we do. When we, when we lay it out, this is what we put our values in. And I told you up front, I want you to trust God with every area of your life. I want you to experience God's faithfulness in this area financially. I want you to be free to go wherever God wants you to go, to do what He wants you to do, and to give what He wants you to give. You know, we talked about what do we do with the extra after we've taken care of our, our food and shelter A lot of us have extra. What are we to do with it? There's opportunities to be generous and give to others who are in need. There's great things that can be done. So I I, want to remove from your mind, the only time I give to God is when I give to the church. No, there's so many other areas where you're you're giving to God when you help the poor and needy. There's so many things we can do. It honors God. And I want you to be financially, I want you to be secure. And that happens when you get rid of debt, you save, and you have a plan. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're shooting in the dark. So I want you to look at a scripture that I have on the board here. 
those who trust in themselves are fools. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Wise decisions in any realm of life greatly reduce the chances of waking up one day and feeling like you've been delivered and rescued (sighs) that morning. We want to eliminate that by making wise choices. Whether it's a bad dating relationship, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your educational pursuits, whether it's your job, profession, or financial pressure, we're called and we're commanded to walk wisely. To ask this question, in light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? That's a good question to ask yourself in the, in the area of finances. Is this wise? The question, or that question, when applied to the, to the world of your personal finances, it'll force you off the beaten path. This is why people cut up their credit cards. They cook them or bake them, melt them. Because for them it is a wise thing to do because it takes them off the right path. For others, as people, they switch from a credit card to a check card. Everything I do is on a debt now. No longer a credit. I know I was trying to shoot for that 5% cash back, but it's got me into trouble. That's how they get you. You spend money on this card, and we'll give you money back. And that's how they get their claws into you. This is why people use an envelope system. Put money in an envelope. There it is. That's all we got. But let's go out to the movies. We spent it all. It's all gone. Right? It it, kind of restrains you. This is why people fast from going to the mall. Fast meaning deny yourself. They fast from going to the mall because when they go to the mall, they just go crazy, right? This is why people pay cash for stuff. They, they, They pay with cash. Here you go. I saved up. Here it is. Give me the stuff. Because culture, our culture, doesn't encourage wisdom in this arena. It just doesn't. And why would you want to take your cues from a culture that wants something from you and not something for you? Why take your cues from them? Why not take your cues from God who wants something for you? Okay? So I want to challenge you to make some financial decisions. I'm going to give you some practicals today just to help you make some decisions. And then I want you to use some uncommon sense. Okay? Uncommon sense and apply them. I want you, if you have children, to teach your children uncommon sense. Come up with a system. Karen read a great book on how to educate our children on how to be responsible with money. She read the book. She gave me the, the cliff notes. We apply it to our family. There's tons of stuff out there. We apply. We do it. The kids want stuff. They're paying for it. That's awesome. Now, in Luke chapter 14, there's a passage that, in the context... Jesus is referring to making the decision to become a disciple. But he uses a financial parable to make the point. And I thought, well, this is a good point to make. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. This is kind of the the context is like, hey, you want to become a Christian? But he gives a financial example. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? I want to buy something, but do I have the money? 
Well, I have Mr. Credit Card. I mean, technically I can borrow the money, right? Do you have the money? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and wasn't able to finish. You know, being wise is counting the cost on what you're spending. You've got to count the cost. Is it wise? You know, if you can afford it, great. Is it wise? Does it put you in jeopardy? Do you have to go in debt for it? Do you have to borrow for it? Counting the cost. So here's one thing I want you to do. I want you to choose a percentage of your income to live on. And then live on it. What I want to encourage you if you're married, talk with your husband or wife, and decide what percentage you're going to live out of the 100%. Maybe you're living in the 110%. I want you to use the 100% and choose a percentage to live off. Most of us are already doing this. You just don't know it. All of us are already doing this. Maybe you're just unaware of it. Because it seems responsible to me that you know what it is, where, and how you're living. If you don't pick one, culture and greed will pick it for you. And you'll close in on 100% really fast or go higher. And so since you're going to have to limit, why not just pick it yourself? The question is, is it wise to spend 100% of what you earn? Is that wise? Well, you can't be rich toward God and do that. You can't be generous. You can't be a cheerful giver and have no and have no margin. You can't even be rich toward you and do that. And you always feel this pressure if it's at a hundred. So what I like to call it, I like to call it breathing room. Here's your percentage. Here's your income. And in between your income and how you're living is what's called breathing room. And when you have breathing room, you don't freak out or panic. It's like, ah, oh, I got some breathing room. I could breathe. When you close this gap, it creates pressure on you. And most marriages are strained because of that pressure. You ever walk into your house and find something that your, that your spouse bought that was over 500 bucks and it's sitting there in your house? Or maybe in the attic because he's been hiding it? And you did some spring cleaning. What's, what's that? What is that? You don't want those surprises. You don't want that. But that's what that's what will happen. So together, being unified, you can you can choose. You can pick a percentage of your income to live on. And when you pick your percent a percentage and adjust your standard of living, you'll continue to track that, and you'll create breathing room. As your income grows and your standard of living, you have this gap and you can breathe. And when something happens, oh, we got, there's extra there. We got, we got some savings. We can handle that. Amen. So here's an insight. It's way more fun to choose what you won't afford as opposed to owning what you can't afford. Right? It's way more fun to do that. When you realize you got something you couldn't afford, like, oh, i got to pay this every... That's much worse. Versus choosing what... We... I can't afford that. That's not it. I want it, I like it, but I'm going to wait for it. I'll save for it. Versus just trying to get it, and you can't afford it. So choose a percentage to live off. You know, during when we do premarital counseling, we talk about finances a lot. Because it's important. Because it's a strain when there's financial friction. It's, it leaks over into the marriage. You see one spouse funneling money away in a secret slush fund account. 
No, it shouldn't be. It should be all together. It should be unified. Everyone should know because you're in it together. Stay low and stay there because it only gets higher. It never, life never gets cheaper. It just never does. Tell your kids that. So at least go home and figure what percentage you're living on now and then decide what you want to live on. Proverbs 4 tells us, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Number two, the second thing is, track your spending. Develop a plan for tracking where you're telling your money to go. Because it should be no mystery. You know how much comes in, and then you just tell it where to go. But you've got to track it. If you're not tracking it, you'll never know. It's all going somewhere. You just ought to know where it goes. So you usually have one person in the marriage that loves to track it. Or if you tell them to, they would love to track it. Then you have another part of the, of the, of the, of the marriage. You have the free spirit. Ah, tracking, come on. It's too much time. I have it all up here in my head. I know how much I'm spending. Okay, I'm that guy. That got us in trouble. So if you're a Christian, this is your spiritual responsibility. Because it's just common sense. You wouldn't want someone else managing your money if they don't know where every dollar is at, right? So why not you? Since God put you in charge of managing what He's given you, you sh- this is your responsibility. We expect it from others. We expect that whoever's managing our 401k or our child, we expect them to know where everything's going. We expect that. And why are you charging me this crazy fee? We should, we should know that. Now, if you're married... You know, this will take the edge off the money discussions. Because if you're married, you talk about this quite often. There'll be fewer surprises. When it's time to cut back, you'll know how and you'll know where when you track your spending. If you don't, the scriptures teach us that lazy hands make for poverty. Someone will get rich off your laziness. Okay? So, there's, there's some spending that should shock us into change. There should be. And it doesn't, if it, and it, it doesn't because we don't ever see it, but when you see how much money goes out and what you get in, you're shocked how much, how much we eat out. It's shocking. I tracked it one time going, that's how much we eat out? My goodness. Let's go to Costco and load up. And then we did that. Amen. Now our cupboard's... There's stuff in there, and then when it would just go down a little bit, we refill it, going like, hey, there's people in there, there's something in there, there's a lot of things in there. So we decided that we're gonna just we're gonna empty out the cabin, we're gonna we're gonna eat what's in there. And what do we what we started doing? We started creating a habit where whenever I saw a little bit empty, we wouldn't you know by a knee-jerk reaction, go refill it. No, it's just let's finish what's in there. Because the pantry's pretty deep. And it's got a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I've seen the same can in there for years. Why don't we ever eat that can? It's just sitting there. It's like, if you don't want it, then give it away. Fine, just give it. But I keep staring at the can. I'm going like, is that the same can of beans? I mean, it's good for five years. But why haven't we eaten it yet? Because we were in the habit of, once it makes a little dent, we quickly go to the store and refill it. So the stuff in the back, oh, it just stays in the back. Seriously, we found we found things, and so we we could have we could have fed ourselves for months just on what we found on just on rice, pasta, and beans, easily, easily. 
But since we were in the habit of, oh, it's gone down, we, were, we were, weren't using all the things that we had. We just kind of like, we were in that habit. And it's just very easy to get into that habit. Okay? Because, you know, when you go to Costco, it's like, you go to Costco. You know, it's a lot of stuff. So, track your spending. Third thing is the rich will rule over the poor. And the borrower is the slave to the lender. Okay? Getting rid of debt. The credit card debt. The rich rule over the poor. They get you. And they got most of us. And they'll continue going after you till you're dead. They will not stop. Okay? Why do you think they have all the commercial spots, all these great names? Because they are making millions. One of their strategies is they send out millions and millions of, uh, of letters to you. You're pre-approved. Have this. We'll give you 3% back. And then you get on this. We'll give you 0% interest. Here's your card. And the moment you're late with one payment, 20-some percent. That's how they do it. And they got you. And they're making their money and they have their buildings. Okay? Now, credit card debt is, is very tricky. If you, if you pay the minimum wage on, or the minimum on that, you're going to be paying that off for a long time. you got to get a strategy to pay it down and pay it off quicker. You double up. You get input. Talk to people. There's a lot of great strategies how to do that. Um, come up with a plan. Get a plan. Join a compass class. If you're not sure, get in on that compass class. It's going to happen in January. That's a great one to educate you. Uh, talk to someone. Don't let it linger about. Don't put it off for later. And don't, don't do that. Try to get on it now and, and really, really attack your debt, getting out of the debt, because you'll be a slave to the lender. You don't want to be in that position. Transition to a lifestyle that allows you to, to give to God in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, for the, the fourth thing is to give, to save, and to live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. Generosity breaks the power of greed. And it's a topic that we discuss in this series that churches rarely talk about because greed is so hard to see, in a sense. But when you, when you look at the scriptures and you're honest with yourself and God, you can see yourself being greedy. Greedy people aren't rich people. Greedy people can be anyone. Poor or rich, doesn't matter. And generosity and financial freedom are inseparably linked. Because greed and unhappiness are the same. They're linked together. You can never get enough to make yourself feel close to God. It doesn't work that way. So when you develop is this discipline of giving generously, but you have to develop a system. You have to be disciplined, systematic. You decide what percent am I going to give? For example, to the work of the church. I'm going to give X percent to the work of the ministry because I see that with, with, with the work we do here, it saves lives. People come in, there's a ministry here, there's a preacher here, we're, we're building something here. You believe in it, so you invest in it a percentage. Okay, you decide that. And then there's doing it systematically. Some people do it online. I do it online. For those who give online, awesome. Don't feel guilty when the basket comes around. I know, I know the feeling. I give online. <laughs> I give online. 
I know, that, I know when a bathroom comes, you play, what are people going to say about me? Yeah, because you give online. We, I'm putting it out there just to, just to put your heart at ease. Okay? I don't put it in the basket. You're like, he's the preacher, doesn't put anything. I give online. That's what I do. It's easier for me. Okay? And I give it systematically. Automatically. Because to me, it's, it's part of my value system. It's important to me. So I put it on the value. Just like you value, we value our, our retirement accounts. It's, it goes in there automatically, right? But see, I wanted to get you on the mindset of a spiritual discipline is that giving to God and the work of the ministry is just as important as you give into your retirement account. Or is it? See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be, like, I wouldn't be like my, with my retirement account. I wouldn't be like, I'll give it one up. I'll give it a couple, you know, a couple I'll give it next month. I wouldn't do that with my retirement account because I know that it hurts me on the long run. It's important to me. Same with God. I put it on the same level, but I put God a little bit higher. This is way more important to me than that. See, that's the mind change. Otherwise, you get lost. Okay? Um, generosity paves the way to contentment. You know, when I see a GoFundMe page, I help out. I want to help out. I see, I see one of your kids that want to sell candy bars because they want to go somewhere. Here you go. I'm ready. I have money. I want to be generous. I'm helping. And it feels good. Amen. It feels good to do that. Teach your kids to do the same. Teach your kids the jar here. Put money to save, money to spend, and money to God. We've been doing that with our kids for years. Just dun, dun, dun. And it trains their hearts to remember where all this comes from. Okay? All the Minecraft came from God. All the video games came from God. Everything comes from God. So I I get this question sometimes. Should I pay off debt before I start giving? And my answer is no. Because giving is an invitation to God to do the unusual for you financially. He's inviting you in that relationship to trust Him. Trust me, I'll take care of you. When we say, well, I'm in debt, I can't, then you're not trusting it. And I want you to trust Him in that process and watch Him bless you. You know, imagine your financial world would look like if the four things I, w- I did that you actually did and you made them habits in your life. Imagine the things. Now, I, I've been doing this with Karen. It's been awesome. We tried, the, we tried to have a budget and then we tried to live off it, but we weren't tracking it very well and things went sideways pretty fast. Okay, so if I went through that, I'm sure you went through that. And then now we have this envelope system where like, it's not in there. It's gone. And we just hold the line. We're not, we're not dipping in. We're not going to dip into the state. That's it. And it, what, it, what it did is it reigned in our behavior. Because our behavior was outrageous. Let's be honest. We get crazy. We have money. I drive by Costco. I don't know what happens. I was like, it's like systematic go by Walmart Woo, Walmart says let's just check it out maybe find something I need right you see, you see how I phrase that maybe I might find something that I need you know what I'm really saying is I want to find something I want and when I start thinking that way I'm like that sounds yeah and again God is not against stuff or having stuff you have money you afford it you, you have your priorities in place that's the blessings. Amen. That's the blessings I'm talking about. God has never calls us to live a life of, hey, I want you to be poor. No, God actually says to, to enrich yourself, to make money, so you can influence others. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. 
So you have to take a, uh, take, a, take a cue from the world of how they, they manage their money and how they're influential in other areas of life. Do you know what would happen to the church if everyone was financially free? Just imagine what we could do if we were financially free without debt and you know, we're, we can give and do many things across the county. You know, man, we, can, we can have a church in Oxnard, Ventura, so they can have a local church out there. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty awesome. Having on two sides of the grade, one on this side and one on that side, because we know how we all feel about the grade. Right? But imagine what can happen, the work that can be done, if we set ourselves on God's principles and what He would do with what we, with what we, could, we could give to what we could advance and help a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to make that commute from Oxnard Ventura to here. It's a, it's a, it's a strain. It's a struggle. And I, I, I feel, and, and I lived out there and came up here. I know the struggle. So there's so much more to do. But let's get our priorities in place. The kingdom will be fully funded. You'll have more peace. Your marriage will be in better shape. When your spouse goes, I know he doesn't have this, this, this thing on the side. She can trust that, and you can trust that she's not doing the same. But why doesn't it come naturally? Because it's sinful in our area. It manifests in our lives through a lack of self-control. That's why it's there. It's a sinful nature. And when you, have, when you lack self-control, you ignore wisdom. And you embrace something called instant gratification. You want it now, and you cannot wait. Try that with your kids. Get, make sure they're hungry. Put a, put a piece of their favorite candy bar on the table. So you can have it now, or in 10 minutes you can have two. Just watch their reaction. It's the, I did it with my kids. It's interesting. It's interesting. And then it's a great devotional for your kids. Do you want to be satisfied now? Because Christianity is a, it's a long race. It's a long marathon. And God will give you strength. God will give you power. And God will give you self-control. He will do that to those who surrender to Him. He will do that. He will give you all those things if you surrender yourself to Him. So, will you choose a percentage to live on? Will you track your spending? Will you get rid of your debt? And will you give first, save second, and live on the rest? If so, you'll get unlost. You'll be free. And you'll have more to give and more to live for. we got a daddy-daughter dance coming up. I want to encourage everyone, even if you don't have a daughter, to invite the fathers who have daughters that you know at your school, your ASO programs, your soccer programs, whatever ballet, dance, invite them because this event will change their lives. And September 27th, in two weeks, I'm starting a new series called Christian. Next week, I have a special guest speaker from the Bakersfield Church. His name is Luke Donatello. And I invite him to come down to come and just speak to you because he's a great brother. He works with us in the Baltic Nordic organization. His church is also involved. So I'm trying to get him connected with us and us with them because he's just a great, amazing brother and I value him very much. Thank you for your time. Have a great afternoon. We're going to close out with a song here in a few minutes. Thank you.
Alright, let's see it together.